What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shells. Got a jam-packed show for you today. Um, all over week eight of the National Football League, the Ravens and Steelers, the Patriots, the Rams and Tua, uh, the Bengals, of course, not getting their most impressive win that I've seen from them in quite a long time. And we'll get to some other things as far as the National Football League is concerned here in week eight. As we recap week eight, look forward to week nine. And then, of course, we have a presidential election on our hands, which I will, of course, get into and um, and talk about here here at the uh, top of the show. Well, here's here's where I stand on it, okay? And this is just me alone. This isn't no one feed me any information. I speak for me and me only. I I, I think for myself. I see what I see. I see what's given in front of me. Use my brain. Let's swirl around a little bit. Look at the facts, look at what's given to me, and I make my decision, and then I make my commentary from there. No brainwashing, none of that nonsense. I, I say what I feel, and it's it's an on, honest, genuine, or excuse me, genuine, authentic feeling. Heading into this election, the, in my opinion, this was one of the most, this, if not the most, this was the most monumental election of of our of our of at least with my generation our lifetime that's what it was because in my opinion if Donald Trump gets a second term you won't recognize the United States of America in years time this is what i think i think if trump would have won and it would be the miracle of miracles if he did because as of right now at the time I'm recording this from the Associated Press Biden has 264 and Trump has 214 so and you need 270 to win the presidency but heading into last night I said look if Trump wins we're screwed because this man, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, he emboldens, empowers, and makes the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, the David Dukes, the proud boys of the world, he give he makes life easier for them to to act the way they are and to be who they are in a public setting. He enables their piss-poor, demonstrative, racist, disgusting behavior. This is what I've seen from the very beginning of his presidency up to now. This man... Has, has this man has entirely no issues with essentially giving white nationalists a platform and to be the white nationalist quote unquote you know president per se. 
I think that if Trump heading into last night, I think if Trump would have gotten a second term, not only would it affect blacks like myself and minorities, and I, and I swear to God, if I hear one more person sit up here and, and give me this and give me this bull crap, sit up here talking about Donald Trump has done more for, go stick it up your ass, seriously, shove that piece of filth right up your ass because that is utter bullcrap okay presidents prior to Donald Trump have passed civil rights bills have helped pass amendments to keep blacks out of slavery okay stop stop so I don't, don't give me don't sit up here and I've heard it I've heard it since this present, since this election season has started, I've heard. I swear to God, I'm not in the mood for it. I'm not in the mood. Don't sit up here and tell me that's bullcrap, complete and utter bullcrap. Done more for the African American community. My ass. Stop. Stop. I understand the Democrats aren't perfect, but stop. Seriously, stop it. And when it comes to competing res- at resumes, the Democrats have done a hell of a lot more for blacks than Donald Trump has. Let's call it like we see it. Let's call it like we see it. Again, are they perfect? No. Do they have their flaws? Do they have their issues? Absolutely. And I'm just telling you from a guy, as a guy who... Is independent that leans to the left, but isn't but isn't a die in the wall uh, Democrat either. But I'm telling you, that, that's hogwash, complete and utter hogwash. And if Donald Trump would have gotten a second term, black blacks, women, minorities of all type, the gays, transgender, all that would have had to suffer. From the Supreme Court stuff with Donald Trump being hypocritical and the rest of his other cronies. Uh, and you know who you are, the two dopes that got reelected, Lindsey Graham and uh, what's his face? Um, and then Mitch McConnell of that poor ass state of Kentucky. Sitting up here ripping off all those poor Kentuckians. Because... Because, you know, it's a it's a famous quote that LBJ used to say. If you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the richest black man, he won't realize you're picking his pockets. Hell, you give him somebody to look down upon and he'll empty his pockets for you. Which explains why Kentucky is one of the most dirt poor states in the United States of America and they keep electing that racist piece of filth Mitch McConnell into the Senate every single time he's up for re-election think Mitch McConnell cares about the poor whites in Kentucky not a chance poor white Kentuckians vote him in because he because he has you know he don't care for Negroes Go look, go look up that picture with him standing in front of the Confederate flag back in the 90s. But I digress. 
Donald Trump would have gotten a second term. Blacks would have been in trouble. Everyone would have been in trouble. If you weren't, if you weren't white, you 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 were you were in some trouble. Abortion, it would be a complete mess. Women couldn't legal the legal protection with abortion. You know, it's just a mess. Not to mention Donald Trump with his behavior and his divisive, hateful, and just ridiculous rhetoric. Not only does he embolden the, you know, the the out of the closet white supremacists, but he also emboldens the closeted ones that work in your local police departments that feel the need to have a knee on a grown man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds, who feel the need to, from point blank range, you know, shoot a guy in the back 50,000 times. You know, like it, like it, if you want to accept it or not, that's not my issue. That's, that's your issue. He emboldens those people, whether you want to recognize it or not. He emboldens and empowers those people. And rather than him having the guts and just being decent enough to say, you know what, I rescind your support. I don't, I'm not that type of person. I'm not going to stand for that. You know what he does? He stays complicit with his silence. With his silence. With his silence. Calling Black Lives Matter protesters. Th- I mean, he's a complete. He's a complete mess. Complete mess. Complete mess. And he would have taken this country back. And you cannot sit up here and tell me that if he was in Biden's situation, a couple electoral votes away from taking the pre- from taking the presidency. You cannot sit up here and tell me that. <laughs> you cannot sit up here and tell me that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I tell you. I tell you. I mean, this man is sitting up here. <laughs> taking states to court. And demanding a recount and all this other nonsense because he isn't getting his way. I mean, really? I mean, there are, so, if you look at this with some common sense, there are so many reasons why this man has no business being president of the, of the United States of America is mind boggling. I mean, this man has no problem. Empowering, essentially racist people. He has no problem. He never rebukes their support vehemently. He never says, you know what, I'm not going to stand for that and tries to... No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And he's not going to because bottom line, like old Maya Angelou quote, people show you who they are the first time you believe them. And Donald Trump 
is a toxic, racist, sexist, misogynist human being. There's no other way else to say it. And don't sit up here and give me the crap about, well, what about Herschel Walker? Herschel Walker done no. Herschel Walker's in the sunken place. Don't know what the sunken place is. Go watch. Do yourself a favor and go watch the movie Get Out. Okay, Donald Trump is not. It is 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 no angel. Okay, from the Central Park Five, this man horrendous, horrendous. Didn't want to run out. Black folks, his terrible. Him and his father, all of them, complete mess. And if he again second term, you would have seen. You might as well, I hate to even say this, but I mean you might as well have gotten used to seeing the seeing a, a black man or a black woman getting killed by the police every other week. Because he embones and he empowers those people, whether you want to accept it or not, he does. With his actions, his rhetoric, he's terrible. He does not bring. The people of this country together, he splits them apart with his divisive, dangerous language and rhetoric. 74 years of age, president of the United States. Show some class and have some decorum. Okay, no one's telling you have to like everybody. No one's saying that you have to like everybody's policies and politics. But with the name calling and just the this, the 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 divisive language that this man uses whether it's on Twitter or in person is a, is a disgrace and even that alone he has no business being president none whatsoever I mean th- this man is as toxic as they come toxic he does not he ha- you cannot sit up here and tell me in the four years is he that he's has that he has held office, that he has brought out the best in the American people. He's brought out the worst. The worst. You know, this man is you know this man literally did not have the balls to condemn that. That asshat, excuse my French, Kyle Rittenhouse for taking his rifles up to Kenosha, Wisconsin and knocking off two, three people. He, he, didn't, have, he didn't have, you know, didn't have the ball to say, you know what? That kid should deserve everything he gets in the, judi- in the, judicial, in the judicial system. Didn't do it. Came to his defense. Which is deplorable and is... Sickening and and disturbing, coming from the president of the of the United States, leader of the free world. You know, we're supposed to be big bad USA. We're supposed to be the country that everyone else in the world looks to for help and assistance and for leadership and guidance. They're not doing that now. Whether it's with this pandemic or anything else, they're not doing it. Because this guy has proven time and time and time again, he is no leader. He isn't. 
with the name calling Sleepy Jim. Cut the cut it, Donald. Cut it. You do no favors. None. When you sit with the name calling in the divisive language. None. Disagree on his politics. Don't like he's challenging you for the president. I can understand that. I get that. The name calling and the divisive. No. You, 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 no. And then he sits up here like a four-year-old baby throwing a temper tantrum. Kicking, bitching, and screaming. Hey, well, 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 a voter fraud. I, I won I, declaring victory when, like, like, is Donald, is you crazy? Like, at the, sit up here at two o'clock in the morning, you know, sit up here with, with the hood split, sit up here, get in front of America and declared victory. Victory, you didn't win a damn thing, Donald. What the hell with the victory? Victory, what, what exactly did you win? You won nothing. Shut up and go to bed. I mean, stuff like that. It it, it it just gets to a certain point in time. It just gets so annoying, so emotionally draining. Every single five seconds, every day you turn around, this man's got something new to say out of his mouth or, or on his Twitter account. You're the president of the United States. Okay. Get the hell off of Twitter. Okay. 74 years old. President, leader of the free world, get the hell off of Twitter. Stop, please. Stop it. They, I mean, I understand that we want our our leaders to have a little bit of a person, that, but at, 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 what, at what expense? At what expense? This man has no class, no decorum, no sense of manners, nothing. No sense of decency, nothing. None whatsoever. None. And this man's gonna sit up here and kick and scream. Because the ballots, they cancel all the ballots, I win the election. And I, I, I won, you know, the voter fraud. Cut the crap, Donald. Just cut it, okay? You haven't won anything. Matter of fact, your ass is pretty close to losing the whole damn thing. Six electoral votes, and your ass is out of here by January of 2021. And it's going to sit up here and, well, I'm going to take this to the Supreme Court. I'm going to take it to all the... Donald, shut up. Just shut up. 74 years of age, lucky as hell to win the election the first time. You're not, after everything you've said and done, you don't deserve a second term. And I'm not even going anywhere near what he's done with this coronavirus. Based on his behavior and his actions and the things that he's said and done and how many people he's offended that, again, he's never apologized for. Every single time I turn around and hear, well, what about when Joe Biden, you know, 94 crime, but what about when Joe Biden said this? What about when Joe Biden? Joe Biden has apologized and has shown accountability for the things that he's said and done. And again, because Joe Biden says it, that what Donald Trump doing it makes it right all of a sudden. Two wrongs don't make it right. So stop. Two wrongs do not make a right. And if you're going to 
give anything, any, you know, with the, the stuff that people are trying to pull up on Joe, that stuff is, is decades, decades old. Donald Trump's 74 years of age. So, you know, you and Alfred, you know, the older people or the wiser people, where's his wisdom? This man just goes out here and just insults and calls names. Who does that help exactly? Who are you helping calling names and being divisive? Who who are you helping? And I got here. Well, I like Donald Trump because he's not a traditional politician. And, and he knows how to get things done, and he's a businessman, and ya la 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 la. Okay, for the people, okay, with the with the politics, okay, I guarantee you Donald Trump is not the only person that holds public office that you like, okay? What do you, I mean, who, okay, Donald Trump is a, okay, but those of you who voted for Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, what are they? Are they politicians or are they businessmen? Those are y'all that like Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Politician or businessman? So you see, so you keep on giving me this politician BS. Yet the Republican people that y'all like to that y'all keep voting in to hold power and to maintain office. Last time I checked, they aren't businessmen; they're politicians. So the idea that that businessman politician crap is so overrated and so overblown and so overly talked about is ridiculous. Because they'll because they'll because they'll say businessman 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 he's not a politician yet their favorite yet their favorite little uh, Republican congressman's up for re-election their favorite Republican senators up for re-election and they'll. And they'll vote, and they'll vote them back in the office so fast it'll make your head spin. So don't sit up here and give me this businessman, this businessman, uh, 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 politician nonsense because it's invalid and 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 you're full of crap. Because you have no issues in voting in politicians who you uh, who you agree politically with. So so cut the crap with the with the. With the businessman politician nonsense. Because you say that. And when your favorite Republican congressman's up for re-election. You'll go through hell to make sure that they. That they. That they maintain their seat in the house. Or their seat in the Senate. So stop. Please stop. And again. At this point in time. When racial tensions are on an all time high. And when we're dealing with this pandemic, which which this president has, regardless what you think, I could give a damn. I'm not interested. Who's dropped the ball on this many a time? I I don't need businessmen. I need polit. I need a politician or politicians that have an idea, that have a clue of what the hell's going on, who go to school, who train, who know how to, who know what to do in a in a time of crisis like this. Because clearly Donald Trump has not proven to the American people or to himself for that matter that he has any freaking clue or any idea what the hell he's doing. Because he doesn't. Has no clue whatsoever. 
This man can sit here and stomp around and preach law and order till he's blue in the face. Means nothing when 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 policemen are are killing black people for sport and cities all over America are burning to the ground. Yet he's gonna sit up here and puff up his chest and say law and order. Shut the hell up. All 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 this chaos and conflict for what? Mostly. Because this 74-year-old old fart doesn't know when to keep the hell off of Twitter and doesn't know when to keep his freaking mouth shut. So there was a... Not to mention, you know, if he would have won a second... Uh, if he wins a second term, don't expect to see the, day, the light of day again without a mask on with this coronavirus. Don't expect to see it. This man lied about it, downplayed it, sit here trying to blow smoke up everybody's ass, saying I don't want anybody to worry. Nonsense. The man thinks just because he shut down travel to countries outside the United States that, you know, it's like he was brushed off his hands and he thought he was finished, when that obviously wasn't the case at all. Okay, so you shut down the outside threat of corona when he's done absolutely nothing about the inside threat of corona. None whatsoever. Made the made wearing masks a political thing, a complete mess and a complete joke. And still and still does with the max with the mask situation. Just a pair breathing heavily, just coming out of out of Walter Reed, still infected with the virus. And the first thing this man does is take off his mask like he's Superman. Like he's Mr. Big and Bad. There ain't no virus going to get me. When if he was an average American 74-year-old, his ass would have been six feet in the ground. The only reason that man is still breathing and is still alive today is because he's president of the United States. Me and you cannot get our hands on that cocktail that those doctors at Walter Reed whipped up for him in in order to bring him back to good health. If he was a regular seventy-four-year-old, you know, living off, living off of, uh, living off of uh, retirement and social security, his ass would have died. Especially when Donald Trump isn't 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 in the great, isn't in the greatest uh, shape. It doesn't have the cleanest bill of health to begin with, anyway. Obese. Diabetes, all that nonsense. He was if he was a regular American seventy-four year old man, he wouldn't he wouldn't have made it. The only reason why he made it is because he's Donald Trump and he's president of the United States of America and has access to health care that me and you again, we get sick with corona. We ain't getting that we ain't getting that cocktail. He is. We're not. And he seems to think that just because you know, he's surviving, he can make it, everybody else can too. Not, again, with his blatant, with his, uh, with his, um, vibrant amount, with his vibrant, his, um, his flagrant, there's the word, but again, his flagrant stupidity doesn't realize that the majority of his middle class you know, everyday common folk supporters and the rest of the 
American people for that matter don't have their hands on something that they, you know, take, you know, that they drink down, you know, during, you know, when they eat their jello at at eight o'clock at night to make them feel better. He has his hands on that because he's the president. Me and you do not. And this handling and, and the way he's handled this pandemic has been so just mind bogglingly bad. It's been downright shameful. Over 200,000 people dying on your watch. Playing, playing politics with wearing a freaking mask. I mean, are you kidding me? Holding these stupid rallies, a lot of them with no mask on. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. And again, people make it sound like that. Well, woulda he? She should have been more. He should have been. You know what? Everyone wear a mask. Don't play with this. This is not. This is nothing to be played with. Take this seriously. Instead, what he did. No, but basically made it seem basically said, you know, you're a freaking girl or you're a or you're a a pansy, for lack of a better word. If you're wearing a mask, you're quote unquote politically correct. You're soft if you're wearing a mask. If you're following health protocols, if you're not going to public events right on top of each other without a mask on. Like he his cronies in the White House and his supporters have done time and time and time again. I mean, he he, he simply has to go. He has to go. Whether it's the pandemic, it's he, he, he has to go. He has to go. You cannot sit up here and tell me in good conscience that this man is is good for the betterment of America because he is not. Whether it's the stuff he's done politically or the fact that racial tensions and tensions in America in general are just as high and as intense as they've ever been in quite some time. And a lot of that falls on him with his language, his rhetoric, and his behavior. Donald Trump is no leader. I could give it, I could care less what any Trump supporter says, what Fox News says. I am not interested. This man is no leader. He brings out the worst in people more often than he brings out the best in people. And for him to sit up there and scream and yell and cry and to throw a, and to basically throw a fit like a four-year-old not getting his or her way because he's getting, I won't say getting, you know, I won't say getting kicked, but because he's losing in this election, for him to sit up here and to, and to, throw a tantrum like a child is also another disgrace and is a joke. And that's another reason why he has no business being in the White House. None whatsoever. You lose, you lose. Suck it up. Be a man. Take your L and leave the White House in mid-January. Because this man, because this man has no backbone, because this man has no sense 
of a good character, has no morals, has no ethics, basically lacks all of the decent character, you know, all the decent qualities that, that, that are within a, a decent human being worth their salt. Because he lacks all of that, he's going to scream, yell, cry, moan, groan, bellyache, and complain, and sit up here and make up absolutely bogus, asinine claims that the election's rigged and that the election's rigged and voter fraud and all this other nonsense, which is nothing more than a load and a crock of crap. That's all it is. And don't sit up here and tell me, well, it's by nonsense. If Chris Christie on ABC News says that Donald Trump is out of touch, who is on his staff, by the way. If he says it, if Ben Shapiro says him basically going out on a, on television 2 o'clock in the morning, sit up here saying that he's won the election and everything's invaluable. If he sits up here and says that that was irresponsible. If Ben Shapiro says it, if Chris Christie on ABC News said it, if, if, if Chris was, as a hold on now, Donald, stop. Hold on. Nonsense. Hogwash. Calling BS. If all, if those three guys, if three of those guys say it, Chris Wise, who works for Fox News, Ben Shapiro, who's a Trump guy, and Chris Christie, who is on Trump's staff, says it. There's no freaking voter fraud. None. Just a stupid, asinine, baseless claim because he's such a sore loser and a man-child and doesn't want to admit defeat and doesn't want to accept the fact that he lost. Plain and simple. Don't give me the recap... Nonsense. The man lost. And rather than taking his defeat like a man, like an adult, which you'd think he'd be able to how to handle and how to act like one, considering that he's 74 years of age, he decides to go the childish route, yell, scream, kick, and cry like a toddler not getting his or her way. And the fact that he's president of the United States and acting like that is damn shameful. And quite honestly, embarrassing. Embarrassing. Because I don't know whether Trump and all you other Trump cronies out there realize this or not. But the world is laughing at us. The world is laughing at us. We are a worldwide laughing stock. In large part, because this clown is sitting occupying the Oval Office. He has no freaking clue what the heck he's doing. And whenever things don't go his way, whenever he feels like that anyone, that, that someone isn't kissing his ass, or whenever he feels like that someone isn't going to tolerate his beat, isn't going to tolerate his craft, he sits up here, kicks, yells, and screams, and says it's rigged, or says it's not being fair, and, and just pulls out all the lame excuses in the book. All of them. Every single one of them. He's going to sit up here and sit up here and talk about voter fraud. You know what, Donald? Well, here's something that might help. Maybe if he didn't get into a pissing match 
with John McCain while the while the late John McCain was dying. Maybe if he didn't get into a get into a pissing match with him during his last days, I would have had the freaking decency to to put that half the the flag at half staff mandate when he passed away. Maybe you would have won Arizona. Could help your chances of getting reelected. But this man is his own worst enemy. Every single time he opens up his mouth, nothing good ever comes out of it. And if I was in his camp, I'd tell Donald Trump this. Don, do yourself a favor and shut the hell up. You do yourself zero favors by talking. Because every single time you open up your mouth, it's nothing but a whole bunch of lies Conflict, controversy, and confusion. And the fact that this Muppet is president of the United States is is is, is hard to believe. To be, to be quite honest with you, it's hard to believe. And the fact that this election is this close to begin with is pretty damning, and it's pretty shocking, and it's pretty freaking shocking. All this stuff this man has said, all the stuff this man has done throughout his presidency. And there are people in America all sixty eight million of them think that this man deserves another four more years. With all of the racist, sexist, disgusting, despicable, divisive crap that's come out of his mouth or onto his Twitter page. And the handling of this pandemic. 68 million people think that this man is good enough for America for the next four years. If that isn't scaring the hell out of you and isn't making your jaw hit the floor, I don't know what is. The fact that this man can literally carry on and act like an ass for four years and that 68 million Americans still vote for him in the middle of a pandemic which has destroyed American society for the most part for the last seven, eight months which is his fault for the most part, and 68 million people still voted for him, is <laughs> it, it, crazy. Which either tells me one or two things. You don't care about how the President of the United States acts, at least if he's white anyways. Or the second, you don't care what he says, how he acts, what he tweets. As long as he I'll say does his best to make 
minorities in America as uncomfortable as he possibly can. This ain't about politics. It's, it, 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 at this point, it's about someone. It's This is about a, someone's character and their morals and their values. This man has no morals, has no values, and his character is the equivalent of a newborn baby's diaper after... Their smushed peas midday snack. Fact that this man can carry on and can say the most ridiculous, ignorant, asinine, racist, misogynistic crap out of his mouth. And yet 68 million people still felt compelled to vote for him. Shows you that America in its what 240, 250 plus year history has not changed one freaking bit. What do you you say? What do you mean by that, Jai? America is still one racist ass country. You think? If Obama pulled the same crap Trump has in these four years, that 60 million people would vote for him in, in, during Obama's re-election? Do you honestly think that? Obama couldn't get away with, the, with an eighth of the crap that Trump's gotten away with. This ain't about politics no more. This is about character, morals, and values. Something that this president either doesn't have or it's so crappy and stinky it makes skunks want to vomit. This proves you anything that the United States of America is still one racist country. I know a lot of you out there listen don't want to hear it. I could care less because it needs to be said. Because you know good and damn well that if it was Barack Obama Pulling this crap that Trump has done in his four years. He'd have his ass out on the street after his first year in office. And you know it. You know you wouldn't tolerate Barack Obama. 
in the White House, 2 o'clock in the freaking morning, sitting up here talking about, I won the election. Stop the, stop the, stop the, stop the voting. Hey, dumbass, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. The voting stopped hours ago. You wouldn't tolerate that from a black president. And you know good and damn well you wouldn't. So why are you accepting it from him? I know why. Because he is white. That's why. This man is one of the most toxic human beings to ever reside in the White House. One of the biggest hypocrites, one of the biggest liars, one of the biggest frauds in American history. He doesn't bring out the worst in people. Or excuse me, he he doesn't bring out the best in people. He brings out the worst in people. This man has no interest in being the president for the country. He He's focused on being the president of the people who kiss his ass. Doesn't bring people together. He pulls them apart. This ain't about politics no more. To hell with the politics. I'm not interested. When it comes to morals, racism, human rights, what's right and wrong. This 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 man is as bad as they come. Since so up here comes the Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. Yet calls Black Lives Matter activists thugs. Really? I'll talk football. I know it was a long monologue, but I it needed to be said. And right now we are about few electoral votes away from putting this Muppet back in his place. Because this man deserves to pay for what he's done to Americans and what he's had to subject Americans to for the last four years. Because Donald, recess is just about over. I'll get to the football back after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelic TIS podcast. One last thing, and then I'll, you know, I'll, and that'll be the end of it, and I'll get on to the football and away we go. Um, for those, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of this out here too. You know, guys, all you Trumpers out there, and you with your mega caps and everything, you know, can y'all calm down and stop acting like that? You know, at, that the that the United that the United States is all going to be essentially one big uh, under Democratic Party rule. I mean, Joe Biden. Okay, fine, but you still. It looks like that you all are still going to maintain control in the Senate. The Republicans are going to maintain control in the Senate, and you might lose the House. I mean. I and I could see if it was like a if it was like a, again a, what was projected with these stupid polls and I swear and I swear on the stack of bobs I'm never ever paying attention to any polls ever in my life because if you would have paid attention to the polls you would have thought that this election would have been over by nine thirty at night and here I am in my in my uh, burgundy robe and my with my pajama pants on at three in the morning Hugh Hefner bright eyed and bushy tailed awake. Looking at you know, looking at these, figuring out what the hell's taking these relax. Re- excuse me, these election results so long, and when I had all these guys sitting here trying to tell me this that this election was going to end in a landslide, and we're sitting here at at the time of recording this eight nineteen the next the next night after election night, and we still don't have a definitive answer of who's going to be the next president of the United States. Obviously, we know most likely who it's going to be, but it's not set set carved in stone yet. So, so all you can you calm down and take it down a notch, okay? The United States is not is is not being taken over by the Democratic Party. All right, calm down. You're going to maintain control of the Senate, which arguably is the most important spot of of the United States government. That if you're a Republican, you'd want to have. And again, and and again, it's not like that. Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren won the presidency. Joe Biden, the most moderate Democrat that was on the that was on a Democratic ticket, is the is the president. Calm down, please. Stop acting like that. That that you know, or we're you know, we're such in huge trouble because the Democratic Party is going to take over the United States. Bullcrap. Stop it, please. Stop. You'll be fine. Stop it. Please, stop. Stop. And another thing, you know, quit being so freaking concerned about Kamala Harris, all right? Enough with the Kamala Harris. No one in America looks at the, when they vote for who's going to be there, the, the vice president doesn't even cross their mind, okay? All the people that voted against Donald Trump in this year's election ain't thinking about Mike Pence. They're thinking about Donald Trump. So the idea that Kamala Harris is all of a sudden, you know, going to be like Thanos, get the, get the, get the infinity stones, put it in her hand, get them all together, snap her fingers, and all of a sudden she'll rule and control the world is, is also a bunch of overblown, overrated, nonsensical garbage. Stop. Okay. Stop it. Stop. Vice president of the United States, take it down a notch, people, please, please. Enough. Anyway. Steelers and Ravens get to the football. With the Steelers and the Ravens, uh, in case you need a refresher, Steelers won that game 28-24. And I tell you something right now. 
Lamar Jackson has got some serious, serious, serious issues if he wants to lead the Baltimore Ravens to a championship. This man, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, first of all, he was careless with the football. Here's my issue with Lamar Jackson before I give you his turnover issues. Lamar Jackson has to, has to become more of a proficient passer in the pocket. He has to be. When the like what what the, we've learned this in the Tennessee game back in January, we learned this. We learned this in the Charger game, the Charger playoff game of the year before that. We learned that Kansas City week three. When you make Lamar Jackson throw the football to beat you, he simply cannot deliver the goods, and he can't do it. Simple. He just cannot straight up and down do it. He pass he passes the football when he's good and ready and he's comfortable to pass the football. When opponents stop the run, which the Steelers did on Sunday, and make him throw the football, you got you got no chance. Or or if opponents put hold the Ravens to the point where they're playing from behind late in games where they have no choice but to throw the football, the Ravens nine times out of ten they don't win games. And Lamar Jackson has to, if he wants to build on his game and become a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he has to become more proficient and more and have and be more precise with throwing the football. He has to be. 13 for 28, 208 yards passing is not going to cut it if they play the Steelers in the playoffs again, if they play the Chiefs or if they play the Titans. You know, it's it's not going to cut it. Plain and simple. It ain't going to do it. It is not going to do it. It also isn't going to do it if you throw two interceptions and you fumble the ball twice. Did he fumble the ball? He fumbled the ball three times. So putting the ground on the putting the ball on the ground three times, losing it twice, plus two interceptions, that's four turnovers. All the, you can't win football games. Playing and simple. I don't care what level you're playing. I don't care what team you're playing. You can't expect to win football games if you are turning over the football and giving teams opportunities to score on offense. You can't do it. Pick six of the game. There was a terrible read by Lamar Jackson. Terrible. And gave the Steelers uh, six points coming right out, right off the bat at the, at the beginning of the game. Turned over the ball four times. F- lost it twice on the... Fu- he fumbled three times, lost it twice on the fumble, and he threw two interceptions, one of them for pick six. And throwing 208 yards ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. If y'all want to m- accomplish your goal and make it to the Super Bowl, you got to give me more than 208 yards passing. 15, or excuse me, 13 for 28. That ain't going to cut it, Lamar. I'm sorry. It's not. It is not going to cut it. And if the Ravens... And I understand... Look... And that's why I like that Des Bryant move. They need Des Bryant on that active roster in the starting lineup in the worst way imaginable. Because you cannot under any circumstances, this guy I understand this guy doesn't have, you know, Anquan Bolden, Jacoby Jones, Torrey Smith, Dennis Pitta to work with. But th- but it, it you you gotta give me a little bit more than that if you're Lamont Jackson. Unanimous un- unanimous MVP of the league last year. Okay, because if he does not work on his passing game and doesn't become a better passer, especially within the pocket, he may not like hearing us. But all he'll, but what he'll be, what he'll be known for, and what he'll become, is a glorified running back. Who, when he wants to, can throw the football, fifteen times a game.
You can't win a championship playing like that. You can't. And if you notice, in the history of the National Football League, only two quarterbacks with that type of play style have made it to the Super Bowl. Only two. Colin Kaepernick and um, and the second guy will come to me in a minute. Colin, but Colin Kaepernick, for example, did he win the game? No. Because like it or not, the quarterback, the, the, the position of quarterback in the National Football League is still about throwing the football, finding receivers open downfield, and putting points on the board using your arm. Yeah, you know, it's it's the way it is. I understand he's a dynamic talent. I understand that he can make moves with his legs. But when the play breaks down, your first reaction cannot be tuck the ball and run. You can't, you can't do that. Especially against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, one of the best in football, who you play twice a year, who for the most part has your number. You can't, you can't play that way. You can't. This man has to be more, he has to be more, he has to do, do a lot of tweaking with his passing game. Because if he doesn't, the Ravens, once again, will be a quick round playoff exit come January. I understand he wants to win the Super Bowl. I get that. And I'm not, you know, being putting a damper on Lamar Jackson's score. He's a phenomenal talent, one of the most electrifying players this league has to offer. But he, but you can't expect to win games throwing the ball, going 13 for 28, 208 yards passing, and turning over the football four times. You can't do it. And every single time the play breaks down, your first initial reaction is to tuck the ball and run for it. Instead of scrambling outside the pocket, extending the play a la what Russell Wilson does, and why Russell Wilson is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the National Football League, because when a play breaks down, his initial response is not to run. His his response, Russell Wilson, his his quick instinct is to get out the pocket, if he has to scramble around the field in circles for, for three minutes, so do it. If it allows DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett a chance to break away from the defender and have themselves in a position to catch the ball wide open down the sideline. Lamar Jackson has to learn that. I understand he's a young kid, second his second year starting in National Football League, third season, I get all that, but he has to, he has to be more fluid with throwing the football. Because you 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 can't you can't do it because 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 again it's two quarterbacks Colin Kaepernick and then the other one and then the other one slips my mind but you can't expect to win the Super Bowl being a glorified running back that throws the football 10 15 times a game when it's convenient for you because what Lamar Jackson's proven is when the Ravens have to play from behind, he 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 cannot bring his team home. Not just with his physical ability, but he doesn't have that sense, that presence in the locker room to 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 incur you know what Ray Lewis used to be. Ray Lewis would gather would gather the troops up. He'd give he'd give him it he'd give him an encouraging. A, uh, a uh, you know, he'd give you one of those speeches that make you want to run through a brick wall. Lamar Jackson doesn't do that. I understand not everybody is a Ray Lewis. Now I understand not everyone, you know, is get up in your face. I, mean, I understand all that. But Lamar Jackson has to 
I guess the perfect phrase for it is do some soul searching or, or look deep within himself and figure out what method of leadership works for him the best for him to be that guy on his team when the chips are down and when his team looks like it's down for the count. Mahomes is that for the Chiefs. Wilson is that for the Seahawks. Burrow is that for the Bengals. Brady is that with the Buccaneers and, and the Patriots in years past. He has to be that guy. Mayfield, is a, and now he runs his mouth a little bit too much, but he is that guy for the Browns. He ain't, He's not that for the Ravens. And I could see if he was Flacco and had the benefit of having Ray Lewis as a teammate to pick up that slack at, at the leadership position in the locker room. But Ray Lewis has been retired, what, seven, seven, eight years now? You can't, he, he has to find his voice. You know, Ed Reed, Ed Reed Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, ain't, Ray Lewis, Haloti Nada, they ain't coming through that door no more. Okay, those, guy, those guys of the 2000s, it's sad to say it because, because I grew up and I, you know, and I fell in love with the sport, with the game of football, watching those guys play, even though I'm not a Raven fan. I fell in love with the sport, watching those guys play. And it low key, it's, it's like sad because like, wow, like, I mean, I hate the, you know, I'm only 18 years of age, but it's like it was only yesterday. I remember watching Steelers and Bengals and all the guys that I remember that were a big part of that rivalry are retired now. But those guys not walking through that door at uh what eleven oh one Russell Street? They're not doing it. They're gone. They retired. Lamar Jackson has to find that voice, whatever it might be. However he whatever his method is, and however he finds it, it's up to him. But either he or someone else within that locker room has to find that leadership voice, because. Because you can't expect to win championships if the if you don't have that leader on the team that when they're when the team's backs is against the wall they got to play behind from a deficit can go hey let's go hey hey one play at a time come on we're still in this game come on you see Russell Wilson Mahomes do that all the time all the time Lamar Jackson doesn't do it it's like. He and it's like he doesn't he doesn't check out, but it's like you know when think it's like when the game isn't breaking his way, his the best way to put it is that his swagger goes away. He gets quiet. He's ve- he's timid. He's off to himself. He doesn't. He, you can't be that way. You can't be a franchise quarterback expecting to win championships and be like that. You can't do it. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And that's the problem with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. From a Steelers standpoint, who would have thought this team would have started off 7-0? I mean, again, and I raise my hand one more time, I had this team going 6-10. and And we're already halfway through the season, and they've already exceeded my win expectations for them. And, uh, and if y'all remember, I made such a big stink about the over-under number being so high. What was it, at nine and a half, I think is what it was, at the beginning of the season? Oh, it's too high. I mean, you can play back the rant for yourself. Killed it. Killed them. Absolutely killed them. Whether Tomlin heard it or someone in Tomlin or Steelers camp got a hold of it and played it for t- Whatever it was, 
they're already 7 and 0. Already 7 and 0. And if they beat the Ravens on Thanksgiving, which if the Ravens won any fighting chance of winning the division, they have to win this they have to win that game in Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving. If the Ravens don't beat the Steelers on Thanksgiving, they're making the playoffs as a wild card team, simply put. Simply put. If the Ravens want any chance of winning the AFC North, they have to they have to be Pittsburgh on the road on Thanksgiving night. They have to. Because Pittsburgh sitting at seven and zero is one of the biggest surprises in my eyes. I know Steeler fans think opposite, and people on the Mike Thomas Steeler bandwagon think the exact opposite. Kyle Brandt talking to you. I know I, I, you all might not be surprised. I am, because if you would have sat up here and told me at the beginning of the season that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to start the season seven and zero, I would have called you eighty nine different types of crazy. I understand. I understood. Now, don't get me wrong. I understood going into the season that the defense was going to be good. But I also didn't understand for Ben Roethlisberger to essentially, with again Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell ain't coming through that door. I also didn't expect Ben Roethlisberger coming off of what is he, 37, 38 years of age, surgically repaired elbow, and and still able to fling the football. And have guys like Chase Claypool, who what, yeah, step up and and and, and give him big time football games. Would have been, in my honest opinion, the biggest surprise of the twenty twenty NFL season. This is Steelers being seven and zero, and by default, the best team of football. Kansas City lost. Kansas City lost the Ravens. Raiders. They're not the best team of football. Seattle lost again. Seattle lost the not the best team of football. Okay, Green Bay got got whooped by Tampa, but not the best in football. By default. By default. The Steelers are the best team in the National Football League, by default. And wouldn't it? And I and I tell you something right now. I would not shy away from a Pittsburgh. I understand, and it's funny. Prior to the beginning of the season, I got. I tell you another thing. Probably ticked off the Steelers too. Hearing all the talk about the Ravens. Ravens this, Ravens that, Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that, Ravens automatically going to win a division, Ravens automatically going to go to the AFC Championship game, Ravens automatically going to the Super Bowl. I guarantee they got sick and tired of hearing that. Guarantee you. They got sick and tired of hearing that. And wouldn't it be something if you got a, a Steelers and a Chiefs Super Bowl? And I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Pittsburgh is in the Super Bowl going up against the Buccaneers, uh, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, the Packers, wouldn't it be something? Well, wouldn't it be something if it was the Bucks and the Steelers won the th- won the whole thing? Last time they won a championship, the game was played in Tampa. This year's game's played in Tampa. All the talk Mike Tomlin can't beat uh, outside that outside in December of 2018. They can't beat the Steelers in a big spot, or excuse me, they can't beat the Patriots and Brady in a big spot. Here they ought to go to Super Bowl. 
go up against the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, and they beat the Bucks in 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 what would be a in what would be a uh, quote unquote Bucks home game. Wouldn't that be something? And they finally defeat Brady. And Tomlin wins a second championship in the stadium of a, of home of a team that he coached to a Super Bowl championship no less 18 years ago with the Bucks. Wouldn't that be something? Go up against Tomlin's old team and the Buccaneers. And Brady, an opponent who his Steeler teams have never been able to find the answer for in a big game. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? That's game number one. Item number two, the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots are 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 finished. I mean that. I mean this. I mean it. I said prior to, I said prior to this game that the that the Patriots needed both teams needed to win, uh, that game in the worst way imaginable. The Bills took, excuse me, took care of business twenty four to, the the Patriots had done. Haven't won a game yet on the road. 0-3 on the road. Lost at Buffalo. Lost to Kansas City. And lost at Seattle. 2-5. They're, they're cooked. They're cooked. And part of me brings me joy of saying that. With the Patriots dynasty dominating the sport for the last 19 years. For the last 19 years. 20 seasons. Makes you happy. But, but the other part of me, excuse me, up. I got five hours of sleep. I I did not sleep during election night. I went. I didn't get a lick of sleep until about eight o'clock, eight thirty this morning. And it was about four, four, four and a half, four, four and a half hours of sleep. So I am running on fumes here. So bear with me. But, uh, but. They're done. They're done. I mean, and 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 I ask, and I, you have to ask the question: Is Cam Newton finished? Cam Newton, fifteen for twenty-five, one hundred seventy-four yards passing, didn't put the ball in the end zone, and fumbled the football to cost them the game. It'd be a sad ending to a career, considering that. You'd think that him finding new scenery and play, and playing and excuse me making legal minimum was going to provide him some motivation. And he looked and considering he looked like his vintage he's his vintage self within the first couple of weeks of the season, and all of a sudden he gets corona before you know the weekend before the chief game and it's and it's been downhill from there. So part of me is glad that the Patriots are uh, are crashing and burning, and the other half of me is upset because I really would have liked to have seen Cam Newton just tear the league up and to and to prove to America that he's still that guy, and it, it doesn't like that won't be the case. To attack of Iloa. Won his NFL starting debut the other night, or excuse me, the other day, um, taking care of business against the against the uh, L.A. Rams and their pathetic lame duck uh, offense, led by uh, Sean McVay and 
you know, and his hair gel and the Ukrainian girlfriend that speaks 15 words of English, as uh, that I like to always refer to. Two, uh, did, who did not, in all set of circumstances, I understand it was his debut. He wasn't, he wasn't fantastic. 12 for 22, 93 yards passing is nothing to write home about under any circumstances. I understand that's a decent defense, but still anything, that's not anything to write home about. Jared Goff just proves you how how uh, how overrated Jared Goff is. I mean, you know, all, paying paying this guy all that paying this guy all this money, and he can't you know, and this guy is you know average is an average quarterback, mediocre quarterback at best. I mean, really now, but we get to uh, on the board for you. Excuse me, get two up on the board for you here in this program. Um, next order of business is the Green Bay Packers, who got absolutely, you know, it was an upset, but I mean, got absolutely destroyed, destroyed by Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings the other day. I mean, Dalvin Cook just ran rampant all over that uh, Green Bay Packers defense. Which uh, which has many issues, you know. They, I mean, they tackling issues can't stop the run. I mean, it was oh terrible. I mean, Dal- they let Dalvin Cook on thirty carries go for a hundred. Kirk Cousins barely even had to throw the football. It was eleven for fourteen throw through for one hundred and sixty yards. Barely had barely had to throw the football and give the ball to Dalvin Cook thirty times and rushes for for a buck sixty three and three touchdowns. He ain't got more, you know. Well, I mean, Kirk Cousins barely has to lift the finger, and he's the and I and he's the first Viking running back to rush for or excuse me or he's let me get this right he's the he's the first Viking running back to score four touchdowns that's of course receiving and rushing combined in a game since Ahmad Rashad did it and back forty plus years ago. And if you're not familiar with who Ramad Rashad is, played in the NFL, was MJ's buddy at NBC Sports when he worked for NBC Sports. Of course, was married to Cosby Show star Felicia Felicia Rashad, which is where you know, of course, they have, they're divorced now, but. Was was married to her, so if you didn't know who Ahmad Rashad is, that's your little Ahmad Rashad uh, information. Um, but I mean that the Green Bay Packer defense. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, missed tackles, can't stop the run. I mean, it it was an absolute mess, an absolute mess. If you're a Green Bay Packer fan, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was all right. Twenty seven for forty one, two ninety one, three touchdown passes. I mean, so I mean, he kept them in the game. But that defense has some glaring, glaring issues. And you you cannot allow Dalvin Cook 30 carries, 163 yards rushing run for three touchdowns in today's 2020 NFL. You you just cannot allow that to happen under any set of circumstances. That's the next, that's that's what, the fourth item of business. Fifth item of business is New Orleans Saints. Excuse me. You know the New Orleans Saints uh, taking care of business against the Chicago Bears in overtime the other night, um, beating them by the final score of twenty six to twenty three in overtime. Drew Brees, 
31 for 41, 280 passing yards, two touchdown, uh, two touchdown passes. Uh, while Nick Foles was 28 for 41, 272, two touchdown passes through an interception. I give the Saints credit. You know, a lot of their games that they've won have not been pretty. They have not, you know, they, you know, and they've been doing it without Michael Thomas. And they don't blow you away as far as, wow, look at this with their uh, with their quality of play is concerned. But you give the Saints credit for, for, for bringing home the bacon, I guess is what you could say. They're two and one away from the dome, five and two this five and two this season, and I believe what are they in the standings? They are five and two. They've had their bye week. The Bucks are six and two, yet they have their bye week. Both teams are even in the loss column, and it would mean a and it would be and it would be uh, very vital. For the New Orleans Saints, if they want to win this NFC South, you know, if for them to beat Tampa in Tampa on Sunday night, that game has a lot of the, that game. That game arguably that game is the best game of the weekend, and it, and 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 it has the most at stake because you know because yeah, I understand Tampa's been on fire this that, and the other, and we'll get to Tampa in a minute with with their game against the Giants. But it's gonna it's gonna be I'm not gonna say hard, but it's gonna be challenging for Tampa to win the division having, you know, if they if they drop this game at home to the Saints. Cause remember week one when they played when they played each other in the Superdome, the Saints won that game. So is it's gonna be very that game's going to, that game has may ha may have uh may affect who's going to win the NFC South come the end of the season. Both of those teams, even in a loss column, Tampa, of course, has yet to have their bye week. But if New Orleans wins this game and goes 6-2 and two, and Tampa Bay drops to 6-3, and three, that that's going to have major implications for it, um, especially if this, if this uh, division race goes down to the wire in Week 17. But given the Saints credit, they fought hard. They've stick together. They've played. Uh, they've played solid football for the most part. Drew Brees included, and they took care of business against the Bears in overtime. Last order of business uh, before we uh, before I get to a break and recap the Bengals to close out the program. Buccaneers and uh, the Buccaneers and the Giants on uh, on Monday Night Football, which ha- which had not been a competitive. A football game, I wouldn't have even even have brought it up. But considering the fact that the Bucks, you know, the Bucks went, and I'll get to the Giants aspect in a minute. But the considering that the Bucks barely won this game, I have no choice but to bring it up. Bucks six and two, like I said, after mentioned on the season, three and two on the road this uh, this uh, NFL season. Tom Brady was 28 for 40, 279 yards passing through two touchdowns. Giants defensive front that isn't that doesn't exactly have a Lawrence Taylor and Michael Strahan suiting up. Uh got to got to Brady uh quite a few times during that football game. Uh and they didn't let Evans or Gronkowski go. You know, the Giants the, the give the Giants defense credit, you know. They didn't let Brady go crazy, throw five touchdown passes, didn't let Michael Evans and Gronk go crazy, didn't let Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette run for nine thousand yards. So give the Giants I understand twenty five points, 
But what what with that uh, offensive firepower and considering that that offense has been absolutely just impeccable in the last couple of weeks, considering that Giants defense held them to below 30 points, below 28 if you want to get real technical about it, is, is something to be commended. Now, they should have won that game, and they were in perfect opportunities for them to win that game if the Giants had Phil Simms or fourth quarter Eli Manning circa 2007-2011 playing behind center instead of Daniel Jones, who stinks. 25-41, passing yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions, and turns the football over and turns the football over just in general plenty. I, th- I think he's second... Uh, I think he's second in the league in turnover and not in turnovers, but in interceptions thrown. I think with nine on the season. I mean, it's just. I mean, outside of the first game that this guy, outside of the first game that this guy has played this year, you know this this quarterback. This quarterback has not proven that he is a. Uh, yep, nine interceptions uh, so far this season. This guy has not proven. To the to the to the organization and to the football fans uh, all across America, that he is the quarterback for the Giants' future. I understand this teams play hard, played hard for each other. I understand they're not the Cowboys and they haven't quit on themselves and quit on a coach and quit on each. I understand. I get all that, and they need to be. I don't know, commended, but they, you know, but you know, keep kept have that kept in the back of your mind that they have played good, that they have played competitive football during this season. But Daniel Jones, you can't, you can't win, you know, overthrowing receivers left and right, uh, overthrowing receivers left and right, making bad reads, turning the football over, throwing bonehead ass nine interceptions, fumbling the football left and right. And this man's got to be more responsible and got to be more careful with protecting the football and not turning the football over, which I think is, is is the biggest flaw in his game is the fact that he turns over the football way, 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 way too much. But, you know, when you watch Daniel Jones play, you don't feel like that you're watching a franchise quarterback that could, you know, when the Giants get themselves organized, could lead the Giants to a Super Bowl championship. You, you you just don't see it. You just don't see it. And if they had and if they had a better quarterback, you know, if if Joe Burrow's lining up behind center for the if Joe Burrow's lining up behind center, if Herbert's behind center, if you know, if if Phil Sims is lining up behind center, you know, in that game on Monday night, the Giants, win, the Giants win that game, and it doesn't come down to a two-point conversion. The Giants win that game outright because that Buccaneers defense is is uh, it's, is a smidgen overrated. I understand that they were the, the 2002 Bucks with with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and and uh, and John Lynch against the Green Bay Packers, but I mean, you know. They they are so lucky that that pass interference flag at the end of that game was picked up, and I don't think that was pass interference myself. You know, it was a it was a bang bang play. The the corner made contact with the receiver's shoulder, shoulder to shoulder bad, sort of like sort of like bumped into him. Looked you know didn't have his you know looked for the ball had his and basically just stuck his arm out. Uh, stuck his arm out to 
to block the ball from going into the, into the receiver's uh, chest. So I can see why the refs picked up the flag. I you know it could have you can make the argument it could go fifty fifty. I wouldn't have called it because it was a bang bang, too close of too close of a play. Not to mention, not to mention, you also can look at it at the fact of the matter that the um that it was a quote unquote source of uh, could you say punishment? I don't. I mean, I don't want. I don't know. I do not know what word you would use. But if you watch the play, as soon as, and I think that was Dion Lewis, if I'm not mistaken, who uh, who came out of his break, who came out of his break, way too, um, who came out of his break, uh, not he didn't. As a matter of fact, just check that he didn't come out of his break uh, too late. What the problem was is that Daniel Jones didn't. Is that Daniel Jones threw threw the ball too late to him? That was the issue. If you watch the play, you know, uh, if you watch the play, the receiver makes his break. He's running an out route. And by the time he's wide open with about a good five to ten yards of separation between him and the defender, Daniel Jones still has the football in his hand. So, you know, and. And and at the you know, and they let Daniel Jones, who looked like he was down for the count, you know, come back on about I think I on a cut on many of plays during that drive in the last minute of that game to make to make a to make a few big passes to keep the drive alive and to keep the Giants marching down the field. And then on the two point conversion, they send they send the running back in motion. And then as soon as he gets out of his break, as I'm watching this live here on the replay, as soon as he gets out of his break, right there, as I'm looking, he throw, he, the ball is thrown a, about a second and a half, two seconds too late. By the time by the, the, by, Lewis is back should be to the quarterback by the time that ball is released out of Daniel Jones' hands. Because the because the disadvantage of waiting till the guy finishes coming out of his break to to then to then throw him the football the disadvantage with that is is that the is that the defender whose man he's who's you know the the man who the receiver excuse me the defender's covering sees the ball go to the receiver go to his assignment and he has enough time to react and to make a play on the ball. Rather than throwing, rather than releasing the ball and throwing the ball before the receiver gets out of his break, so by the time he turns around with his hands up, the ball meets him right there in his arms, and 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 the defender doesn't have a chance to make a play. So Daniel Jones threw that ball way too late. Threw that ball not way too late, but threw the ball late. So you could also make the argument that the officials essentially. Uh, said that well, if Daniel Jones would have made the throw, would have made an earlier throw, that uh, you know that Lewis would have caught the ball and it would have been a two, and it would have had a defensive pass interference penalty, and it would have had another chance to go for two to tie the game up. But you can see on the replay, Winfield, it's not like that he grabs the receiver's arm or or gets tangled up or anything like that or. Or puts his body on him with his back towards the quarterback. He simply makes contact with him shoulder to shoulder and puts his arm in, and puts his arm out in front of the receiver. Again, no contact with his other hand, and he makes a play on the ball. Me personally, I wouldn't have called that passing interference. 
that, in my opinion, is good defense. That's me. That that that's good defense. And again, the Buccaneers defense. I can't sit up here and yell and scream when when there were moments in that game, despite how awful Daniel Jones was, he also at the same time looked like Fran Tarkington. Buccaneers had no business winning that game, and the Giants blew it nine times to Tuesday because of the poor play of Daniel Jones. Bucks offense many a times in the second half stalled, and and when and when Daniel Jones was giving them gifts, turning over the football left and right, they couldn't put the game away. But I, I that and that's one of the reasons why I, why I still say I'm not entirely sold on the Bucks to to as as a shoe in the in the NFC to win the Super Bowl, because you know because if you need a little help from uh, you know from the officials. Or need the or need the opposition's quarterback to screw up in order for you to win close tight football games. That's not a that's not a sign of a uh, of a championship ready football team. It isn't. You know Daniel Jones was giving him gift after gift after gift, and they couldn't put the game away. Couldn't put the game away. Take a break. Get to the Bengals to close out the program. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Talking TIS podcast. Last item of business to get to before we say uh, goodnight is my Cincinnati Bengals. Oh boy. I tell you, this team uh, gives me a heart attack one week and leaves me overfilled with joy the next. I tell you, got their second win of the season, improving to a 500 record 2-2 two and two at, uh, at Paul Brown Stadium. Two losses, of course. Loss uh, against the Chargers week one, and then lost, of course, uh, a couple weeks ago to the Browns, and the two our only two wins of the season at home against the Titans and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Joe Burrow, what a what a day! What a what a guy! What a quarterback! Twenty six for thirty seven, two hundred forty nine passing yards, two touchdown passes, third in the league right now in passing yards behind Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully. He will. It won't happen. It won't happen uh, in week ten, you know, because he's going up against the Steelers defense, so that's out. But hopefully by week eleven, he will surpass Patrick Mahomes 
in uh, in passing yards because uh, I'd love to see that, obviously. Uh, but he played, a, you know, this game more or less was more about was more about and no Joe Mixon especially, which also you know we didn't run the ball real well, but this game was really about the offensive line and the defense. You know the offense. You know Joe Burrow got sacked zero times, zero times in that game on Sunday, and and this is an offensive line that was basically patched together. You know, you know, it was it was patched together because a lot of members of our old line, Bobby Hart, Bobby Hart included, were out with injury. So you know, pacing an offensive, putting together an offensive line from scratch. Who didn't? Who hadn't had a whole lot of reps together as a unit, especially with Burrow and no sacks. That that's pretty impressive. I mean, I'm I'm hard on this team. You know, I call them out. I go crazy when they when they lose when they disappoint me. But you know, I gotta give them credit and I gotta sing their praises when it's due. Considering the fact and this Tennessee Titan team is no slouches, no scrub either. This this is the team that I, this is the team that's gonna win their division. And and it's going to be one of the best teams. And it's going to be one of the best teams, and uh, you know, it's going to be one of the best teams in the AFC, and could wreak some havoc in the AFC. Uh, is going to wreak some havoc in the AFC playoff picture, um, or in, or excuse me, in the AFC playoffs when it's all said and done. So, considering the fact that this offensive line did not allow the the Tennessee pat the Tennessee pass rush. Who, if you're a Tennessee Titan from a Tennessee Titans fan standpoint, you have to be awfully annoyed at considering that that the Bengals' offensive line stinks. They put together, paste together a line, an offensive line lineup of a bunch of, you know, a bunch of guys off the practice squad and the bench and everything else, and you're supposed to be the big bad Tennessee Titans, you know, that are thinking that are thinking playoffs and a surprise run to the Super Bowl. And you lose, and you lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, and f- and for the majority of that football game, managed to put up you know thirteen points. You know, I guess okay, garbage time numbers, which me personally you don't like. You know, made the game a little bit too interesting late in that game, which you know, I, I don't like. I I like watching Bengals games when they don't give me a heart attack. You know, in the last quarter of the game. But they only put up, outside of the garbage time, 13 points in the fourth quarter, and only put up, what, seven points? You know, I shouldn't say all 13 points were garbage time. But for the most part, you know, they kept the Titans out the end zone. They didn't let Derrick Henry, even though Derrick Henry did run for over 112 yards rushing, they compared to his past games, they haven't let him go crazy. And considering that this Bengals defense is inept, I, if, if you allow Derrick Henry run for 112 yards... And you only and you only allow him in the end zone one time. You take that, you know. And they and what they did was that you know they let Derrick Henry get his yards. But what they did, but what the Bengals defense did real well is that they put Ryan Tannehill in positions during that game to keep the drive alive or put the ball in the end zone. And it had to rely on the arm of Ryan Tannehill instead of the legs of Derrick Henry. And they kept Tannehill in check. 18 for 30, 233 uh, passing yards and two touchdown passes and an interception. So it, they so when the when it was appropriate, when they made Tannehill throw the ball, they kept him in check, which you like. And if Derrick Henry's got to run for 112 yards in order for us to beat Tennessee Titans, then so be it. 
But the offensive line played, played real well. Again, I don't like the 13 points given up in the fourth quarter, letting you guard down. I don't like that game. That game was a lot closer than it needed to be. And thank God that penalty was caught on Tennessee or else, or else I'm not even sitting here talking about a Bengals victory when, of course, Burrow threw the interception in the fourth quarter. You know, so you don't like that. And that's something, again, that this team has to improve on. But the offensive line played real well. And the defense was very exceptional in the game. And that was one of the most... And that was one of the most, um, that was one of the better wins, one of the more impressive wins I've seen from a Cincinnati Bengals team in, in quite a few in quite a few years. Not shocking, not exciting, not nail, but not not talking about impressive, impressive. Five and one Tennessee Titans team comes into their building, and for the most part. They had, the, and for the majority of the game, they had the Titans' number. That and and this is the team that played in the AFC Championship game last year. That's got playoffs on their mind, and they get in. Who knows what could happen and make a surprise Super Bowl run? Hey, it's twenty twenty. It wouldn't be the first crazy thing that's happened this year. But really impressive victory for my Cincinnati Bengals. I was impressed. I was satisfied. Got me. It kept me. It, I was in good mood. Rest of the day. Rest of the weekend. Or excuse me. Rest of the rest of the day into the into Monday. Good mood. I'm I'm being a good mood for for two weeks too. That win couldn't have came at a better time, considering we're going to go up against the, what by that time the the eight no the eight no Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Which could be an absolute bloodbath, and it, with the bye week that they have this week, so they gave me two weeks to enjoy a victory against one of the best teams in the AFC. Appreciate that, Bengals. You did. You made me happy for a change. I like it. You made me happy for a change. Keep doing it. Feels good. Don't stop. But that's this episode of the Amatelica Tellius podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T I S. Follow the show on Twitter at or excuse me on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. It's your boy Jai Shields. Talk to you this weekend. Y'all take care. Stay safe. Be safe. See you.